are glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. If you've been impacted by Fuel Church, share your story with us by emailing mystory at thefuelchurch.com. And to learn more about our worship experiences, visit our website at www.thefuelchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. So we're going to talk about fighting temptation. If we're going to fight temptation, I believe the first step is we must identify our biggest temptation. We must identify it. And so as we move forward today, I want you to listen to this message through the lens of your biggest temptation. I want you to hear this message today through the lens of your biggest temptation. What is your biggest temptation? Let's identify that. No, I'm not going to throw it on the big screen and a picture of your Facebook picture and say, I'm addicted to whatever, or I'm struggling with this. Don't worry. Hit your neighbor and say, don't worry. He's not going to do that. Come on now. We didn't have a camera in your car or your house this week. Someone's like, thank God. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. But I, I want you to listen to this message through the struggle of your biggest temptation. What is your biggest temptation? Let me give you a few examples. It could be that you just can't seem to quit spending right? You got that overspending spirit on you, right? It's like every time you see a deal, well, it was on sale, right? Whenever my wife says that, I'm like, what's the damage, you know? And then I say, you, went, you did plastic surgery today, didn't you? You like took that plastic. And anyway, I don't know what your biggest temptation is. It, it, it could be lust for things, it could be comparison. Maybe you, you just always seem to be comparing your life to someone else and you're, you're on social media and you see their life and they're showing their highlight reel and you're comparing their highlight reel with your behind the scenes footage and it just doesn't match up and you're just comparing, comparing, comparing. And you're never satisfied when you get in the comparison trap. I, I don't know your biggest temptation. It may be you just can't seem to eat one slice of the chocolate cake. You need two and three and four. Come on now. I got some struggles, right? But it could be overeating. I don't know. That's a temptation for a lot of people. It, it could be anger. I mean, the list can go on and on. It, it, it could be a substance. It, it, it could be um, uh, you, you being critical of other people. Some think that it's their spiritual gift to criticize others. Paul didn't say that when he mentioned the nine gifts of the Spirit. He didn't say one of the gifts is criticism and gossip, but, but maybe that's your temptation and you just can't keep your mouth shut and you're always putting people down and criticizing them because you think that they should be at a certain level spiritually that you're at. And so your biggest temptation is criticism. Your biggest temptation could be complaining. You complain about everything. There's not one good positive thing you say from Sunday to Sunday. Well, the sun was out and it was 70, but the bird pooped on my car. Right? It's like you find the negative in everything. Some people are just, they're so pessimistic that they find the negative even in the positive. And their biggest temptation is complaining and being negative and being Debbie Downer. You, know, you watched it, right? Saturday Night Live? Okay. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. Google it. I don't know, it could be anger, it could be jealousy. 
You're jealous over a certain lifestyle another family lives, or you're jealous over someone at school, or for my young people, maybe you just see they have certain clothes and certain cars, and you're just jealousy eats you up. That's your biggest temptation. Huh? Maybe you're sitting here and be like, man, I don't have a temptation. I'm good. I got one for you. It's called pride. You got one, buddy. I'm good. I don't even really need this message series. I'm good. No, you're not good. Because the guy with the microphone strapped around his ear has temptation too, and so do you. Jesus had temptation, and so will we. Are you alive today? You're like, Lord Jesus, I missed an hour of sleep. I'm struggling today. Our, our home base for this whole series, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12 and 13. Let's check it out once again. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Do you see that? Be careful you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Friends, listen, you are never above temptation. It's common to all of us. All of us struggle with something. That's really what the church exists for. Not for the perfect not for those who got it all together. That's why we always say it's okay to not be okay at Fuel Church, but it's not okay to stay not okay. <laughs> We're going to encourage you to take another step towards following Jesus. We're going to encourage you on this journey, whatever you're struggling with, just to keep following Jesus. And whenever you fall down, we're going to encourage you to get back up. And we're going to encourage you to keep coming because something happens with consistency and faithfulness in your life. And the thing that you struggled with maybe a month ago, a year ago, now is the very thing you stand upon. Hmm? Thank you for that one hand clap. That, that took a lot of guts to clap when no one else was. Now, now, I have a confession to make, preacher confession. Are you ready for it? I have a temptation. You could hear a pin drop right now. <laughs> the suspense is eating you up. What's he struggling with? You want to know? You know what I struggle with? Krispy Kreme donuts. <laughs> this is my confession. I know Usher's saying it, but this is my confession. I struggle with Krispy Kreme, and here's what happens. See, when I said that, you thought I'm talking about the Krispy Kreme donuts at the Speedway across the street. I'm not talking about that, friends. Listen, church. There is a place in South Bend, Indiana, where I go to visit my mother and father-in-law. My wife's family lives up there. When we go there, there is an actual Krispy Kreme shop. How many have ever been to an actual Krispy Kreme shop? Throw up your hand. You're the real hero. You're the real hero today. You're the real VIP up in here. For those of you who haven't, you're like halfway saved. <laughs> you really haven't come into full salvation yet. Hit your name and say, he's just joking. Some of you are looking at me like, oh my God, I'm going to hell. <laughs> I haven't ate a donut. Like he said, the preacher said, I'm going to hell. <laughs> I have a struggle because every time we go there, I cannot resist buying a dozen or four dozen. <laughs> Depending... <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. And I always, I always have good intentions, right? The drive up, it's about an hour, 15 minutes to South Bend. And, uh, you know, we talk about what we're going to do with, you know, my wife's parents and hang out and do this and that. And 
I always talk about Krispy Kremes, and the kids always know, Daddy, we're getting Krispy Kremes. And I'm like, yeah, we're getting Krispy Kremes, but I'm not eating as many as I did last time. I can't do it. And every time, without fail, I go there with intentions of just eating one or two, but I come out eating like six or seven in a 15-minute period. No, 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 don't judge me. You got your struggle, too. <laughs> like judging the pastor like, he's really struggling. No, 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 listen, listen. For those of you who've been, okay, okay, those of you who haven't been, just drive an hour and go do it. Go do it this week. Take off work, take a vacation, do whatever you got to do. Just experience it. Now, now, when you pull up and the red light's on, okay, okay, there's something about the red light, okay? Then the red light is the hot light. And what does that mean? The hot light means that when you walk in there, that lovely worker with the nice little Krispy Kreme hat has in her hand a glazed donut, hot and fresh. It had just came down the conveyor belt after it was dipped in hot oil, and then the icing is cascading off the sides of this hot donut. Oh, Jesus. I felt something on that that I didn't feel first service. I don't know if it was the anointing or my flesh, but I felt something. And, 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 and the lady says, would you like a free donut? Well, would I like it? Yes, I would, honey. And she hands it to you, and it's so warm. You put it in your mouth, it's like melting butter in your mouth. That's, just imagine butter just in your mouth melting. It, it is one of the greatest feelings I've ever experienced in my life, besides my honeymoon. <laughs> just saying, just saying. That's another series for another time. All the single people getting frustrated up in here. But, um, and, 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 and it is the most amazing thing ever. She hands you that donut. It's so hot. It's so fresh. It hasn't been sitting in the truck at Speedway for the last 24 hours. And so it's, it's my temptation. Hit your neighbor and say, that's the pastor's temptation. But what's yours? You all, we all have one, right? We all have it. We're being funny in here, and that's fine. But we all have real temptations we deal with on a daily basis. We all have them. And, and so the moment we say, man, I'm good on this message series. Like, I'm really good. I don't really feel like I struggle like you're talking about. That is the very moment that you, my friend, are most vulnerable to sin. You see, the church is not for the perfect, but for the imperfect. And if God wanted us all to be perfect, he would have made us that way, but he didn't. He made us with imperfections. So therefore, the pastor right now, somewhere in this community, somewhere in the United States, that is putting up a standard that the people cannot achieve and putting people down whenever they falter and fall is the pastor that has veered away from the grace of God. Do you hear me? And some of you were raised in churches like that. You were always put down. You were never good enough. You always did something wrong. I mean, you had a weird look on your face. You're going to hell. You got holes in your jeans. You're going to hell. You drank a Coke. You're going to choke. I'm like, it's a soda. How am I going to hell because I drank a Coke? And you were put down and you were, you, you were always presented with, with this figure, this spiritual figure. And you always thought, you, you, I could never obtain that, what that guy does. 
I, I could never be at that spiritual level. And so you gave up on God, you gave up on church, but then you have found Fuel Church, right? And it was refreshing to you because the person to the right and to the left is, has the same struggles. And we don't feel like we're beat up every time we come, but we feel encouraged to take our next step on our journey following Jesus. Not perfect, imperfect, but we're following a perfect Savior. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap for that. So just because we follow Christ doesn't mean we won't be tempted. To be human is to be tempted. The human is to be tempted. Coming to Christ doesn't mean the absence of temptation. It simply means this, that I am declaring war on the temptation that is already there. And I don't have to declare war on my own. Because if Jesus was tempted, then so will I. But every temptation is an invitation to what? Say it. Every temptation is what? An invitation. Put it up, guys. Every temptation is a what? Invitation to depend on God. To depend on God. Amen? So God says, listen, I set the table for you. I've set it. The chair has your invite on it. It says your name. So every time temptation comes... The invitation, the banqueting table of the Lord is set. Why? Because you cannot face temptation on your own. In your flesh, your sinful flesh is too weak to overcome it. That's why you need the strength of God. Mm. Mm. Verse 13, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, not if, but when. But when, someone say when, you are tempted, God will what? Provide what? A way out. Say it real loud. A what? So that you can endure it. He'll always have a way out. It it all matters, are we going to take the way out? We can do our way out, so we think. There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end is the ways of death. There's a way that we think is right. But God says, no, 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 take my way out. Take my way out. So, so, so we, we have to, in order to understand how to fight temptation, someone say fighting temptation. fighting temptation. We need to take some steps towards, we need, we need to know the steps towards temptation, okay? So here's how it starts, with a thought. Someone say a thought. thought. Then an imagination. Someone say imagination. imagination. Then a justification. Then a choice which leads to sin. Here we go. The thought, Krispy Kreme donuts. The imagination, oh, the icing is just dripping down the side of this hot donut. The justification, well, I really haven't had one for like over a month. And I went to the gym in my mind. The choice, I go get a dozen and I don't share. The sin I go back for another dozen and share two of them, <laughs> right? So, so it's like this. The thought, I'm bored. The imagination, um, I go on FG, Facebook. I, I go on and I remember that picture that she put up last week that he put up. It's the imagination. Then the justification, well, everyone struggles, right? Everyone struggles, so... I'm, I'm all right. 
Plus, my spouse really isn't meeting all my needs right now. The choice, you look more and more. The sin, I've committed adultery in my heart. Hmm? Is this helping anybody? The thought comes into your mind. What are you going to do with it? The justification, right? Well, or the imagination, you let it roam around, you let it run in your mind. The justification, well, everybody's doing it. The choice, then you make the choice. You take the bait, you take the hook, and then you're hooked. The hook of sin. The hook of sin. Hmm? How many knows what happens when that fish gets hooked? He comes up out of the boat, he gets taken off the hook, he gets put in the ice cooler. And here pretty soon when that boat lands shore, right, he's going to be on this wooden table. He's going to be filleted because sin always produces death. Death of relationships, the death of your joy, the death of your peace, the death of your finances, the death of trust. I don't know what it is for you. I hope this is helping somebody today. See, what happens in those first critical moments of temptation are far more important than we can imagine. So what we're going to do today is decide ahead of time, knowing that we will be tempted, right? We, we will be tempted. And knowing that, we can have the power to resist the temptation and to fight the very temptation trying to take us out. That way, we don't fall like last time. That way... We don't continue to hurt the heart of God, hurt others' hearts, and ultimately our heart. Because that's what happens when we fall into sin. We hurt the heart of God, we hurt others' hearts, and we hurt ours. We destroy ourselves. Temptation, every temptation is an invitation to depend on God. James 4, 7, let's see two ways that we can find our way out of temptation. James says, submit yourselves to God. Someone say, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. The first thing we have to do is submit to God. We got to submit to God. Why? Because we don't have the strength in our own sinful flesh to overcome it. We need God's help. I said we need God's help. So we got to be real with God because do you know one thing about God? He already knows your temptation. He already knows your failures. We may not know it. But in heaven, it's on the jumbo screens. Come on. In heaven, he knows what you're struggling with. And the, James says, first step, submit it to God. God, I need help. I can't overcome this on my own. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to help me overcome this temptation. Friends, you are not designed to live a victorious life alone. You need God. That's why we come here every week. That's why we encourage you every week. Do something to get you closer to God. Start a prayer life, whether it's five seconds a day. Read scripture. Get, do something that gets you closer to God. Because then and only then will you feel your strength coming back. That's why we gather together in this place. Why? Because we get stronger. We grow. Our roots go down deeper in the soil of God's word, and we become that fruitful tree because we're drawing on the nourishment of God's house and God's principles and God's word and each other. We need each other. We need God's house. Submit it to God. 
What does that mean? I think it means a lot of things. But if I could say one, I think it means acknowledge. Acknowledge what's wrong. Yeah, be real with yourself. This is my struggle. God, I, I acknowledge it. I keep falling and keep falling. I, I need your help. Now, now, now. A lot of times we rationalize and justify, okay? So we live in a society of master justifiers, right? So we say things like this. Well, everybody's doing it. Well, everybody has their one struggle. This is my one struggle, right? So we justify like our society does, like we see in Hollywood, like we see on reality TV, which is not reality. They should rename it fake TV. It's not reality. And so, so we justify our sin. We rationalize it. Well, it's just the way God made me. No, he didn't make you to have a bad attitude every morning of your life. You chose to have a bad attitude. Well, that's just my personality. You're just going to have to deal with it. Well, we don't want to deal with it anymore. Come on, somebody. Well, that's the way, you know, my temperament is. Well, I can't change that. No, you can. Self-control, discipline. You, you can by putting... Uh, the fruits of the Spirit in operation in your life. Love, joy, peace, kindness, meekness, temperance. Come on now. You can if you want to. You can do anything if you want to. You just don't want to. You just want to wake up every morning and boss everybody around and have a bad attitude and complain every time the sun ain't shining. Oh, you can change it, but you've rationalized it. You've justified this is the way I am. So all your life, you have a pattern. And your pattern is the same. And you wonder why friends go in and out of your life because no one wants to be around you. I didn't mean to come on your front porch today, but I'm there already. So we might as well have coffee. Huh? We justify, we rationalize, right? And, and, and instead of submitting to God, instead of submitting it to God, here's what I do every morning. Here's just something I do, something easy. It takes me about 60 seconds. God, I submit to you my mind. I submit to you my eyes. I submit to you my ears. I submit to you my heart. God, I submit to you my words. Let my words be uplifting and encouraging to others. If I don't have anything good to say about someone, let me shut up. Holy Spirit, shut my mouth. If I go to say something negative, if I go to speak doubt and unbelief over my life, over my kids, over my wife, over others, shut my mouth. Let me speak that which is uplifting and encouraging. God, help me today. And I submit that to God. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe that's a start for you. And then I have a series of scriptures that I read. Psalms 23. I read the Lord's Prayer. I have this whole system that I do. Just submitting myself to God. God, I give you my mind. Let my thoughts be your thoughts. You said I have the mind of Christ. Lord, I need your mind. I need your wisdom today, God. I submit it to you. I submit it to you. I give it to you. You see, when I'm not submitted to God, I'm more vulnerable to, to temptation. But when I'm submitted to God, it's easier to say no to temptation. Are you hearing that? So number one, submit it to God. Number two, James says, submit to God first, and then what? Resist. Put the scripture up. Resist the what? Oh, 
It's not my wife. It's not my kids I got to resist. It's a devil. Hit your neighbor and say, there's a devil loose. (laughs) I didn't mean to go Pentecostal on you, but I just went there. So we might as well do a little dance real quick. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. With Christ, you can resist. Without Christ, you can't. How many of you remember before Christ, before you came to Christ, how easy and fun it seemed to sin? And then when you get saved and you give in to that temptation, it's not real fun, is it? And you're like, man, this is hard to walk out this life. Well, until you learn to submit to God, you cannot resist the devil that's coming at you. If you'll listen, if Jesus was tempted by the devil, you and I will be tempted every day of our lives to quit, to give up on God, to give up on our marriage, to give up on our kids, to flee from all the problems. Have you ever just wanted to go and leave everything because your life was so jacked up? Huh? I've been there. Just want to leave town. I just want to escape it all. Guess what? That's not the answer. It's never the answer. Submit to God. Resist the devil. He's going to come knocking on your door. Maybe before you leave this place. Maybe when you're in the parking lot and someone cuts you off and you want to give them the number one finger. Maybe when you're at dinner tonight. I don't know. Maybe tomorrow morning when you go and that coworker is there and you know they lied about you to your boss. Maybe that's when the devil shows up. No, 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 no. We don't fight the devil we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, the Bible says. So we're not going to fight our coworkers. That's not the answer, right? I know you want to punch them, but you can't, <laughs> right? That's not the way to go. So we have an enemy, but it's not flesh and blood. So we got to know our weapons that we're fighting against. Second Corinthians 10, 4 says the weapons we fight with are not of this world. Instead, they have divine power to demolish strongholds, demolish strongholds. What, what, what is this divine power that I have? Who wants to know? Who wants to know? Nobody? Well, let's close up shop and go home and eat Krispy Kremes. The Bible says you don't fight with flesh and blood. So a fist fight, your words aren't going to win the battle. You got to pull down strongholds with the divine power that you have. Part of the divine power we have is outlined in Ephesians chapter 6, and it's called the armor of God. So what you and I got to do is we got to take these pieces of the armor every single day of our life. It's another scriptures that I quote every morning. We got to take this armor. We got to take the helmet of salvation, which protects our mind. And we got to put that helmet on. Why? Because the enemy comes at our mind and he wants us to doubt God and he wants us to doubt we're even saved. I dare to say that in the space of these last seven days, that 95% of you had thoughts that you weren't saved in your mind. Why? Because the enemy comes at your mind. Oh, you're not really saved. You're not really following Christ. Look at your life. So we've got to put on the helmet of salvation that says, I am saved. I'm God's child. Thank you very much, devil. You can flee. Second thing we're going to do, we're going to take the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. See, the devil is constantly attacking with lies and accusations and reminders of our past sins, didn't he? We can take the breastplate of righteousness and say, I am righteous, not because of my righteousness, but because of his righteousness. He has 
put me in right standing with God. Because of the sacrifice upon that cross, I am in right standing with God. God. My past is covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. I got the breastplate of righteousness on. I'm holy. I'm God's child. I'm anointed because of what Jesus did, not because of what I did. Second, the third thing we take is the shield of faith. Notice the shield is always out in front. The Bible says the shield will quench the fiery darts of the enemy. The shield of faith. We lead with the shield of faith because This is what being a Christ follower is all about. It's all about faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not how we feel on Monday morning. We walk by faith and not by our emotions. Our emotions are the biggest liar that we have, and they'll lie to us every day. But we choose to have the shield of faith, and we walk by faith. These are the spiritual weapons we've been given in order to fight temptation. Come on, somebody. Someone say, that's good. Then we take the belt of truth. Then we take the belt of truth that says, I know who I am and I know what I believe in. You see, if you don't stand for anything, you'll fall for everything. And so the belt of truth says, I know my God is able. I know he's able to deliver me. I know the truth of his word. And this is how you combat the lies of the enemy. Because the enemy always comes to us in the form of lies. It's his only weapon. It's the hook. It's the lure. It's a lie. It looks looks real, but it's really fake. It's a trap. And he comes to us with these lies. But if we have the belt of truth on, we know what God's word says. We can combat the lies with truth. It's the only way you combat the lies of the enemy with truth. Next thing, one of my favorites, we take the sword of the spirit out. The sword of the spirit is the word of God. Well, you got to know the word in order to use this sword, right? We can walk around and, and act like we know the word, but if we don't know it, then we can't use the sword. And let me tell you that the, the, the number one thing that scares the devil and has him run into Tahiti in a heartbeat is not when you come to church every week, not when you tithe every week, but when you go out from here and you take the word that you heard and you get in the word and you speak the rhema word, the spoken word, the logos word, and you combat the enemy with the word of God. He doesn't mind if you just play church and have a little fun and bring your family here. But when you declare the word that says no weapon formed against me and my house shall prosper. Devil, you will not take us out. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. I am an overcomer. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The devil runs. And the last thing, the last thing it says, you have the shoes of peace. You have the shoes of peace. So when you put on the shoes of peace, uh, you declare that though I'm in the middle of the storm, I got peace in the middle of the storm. Oh, it's, it's when you declare that in the eye of the storm, I got my eyes on the Savior. It's when you declare, devil, you thought this storm was going to take me and break me. But really, God said this storm is making me and molding me into the husband, into the wife, into the man of God that I'm destined to be. I'm walking through the storm with shoes of peace. Peace, devil. Go ahead and do it. Peace, devil. 
Come on, peace, devil. I'm messing with the confusion and chaos you try to bring to my life every week. I'm showing up to work with peace. I'm showing up raising these kids with peace. I'm showing up to do my bills with peace. God, you're going to turn it around. We may be down, but we're not out. We may have been hit, but we're getting back up, baby. Oh, take your best shot, devil. I'm going to walk in peace. I'm going to declare that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I'm going to declare that he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Devil, you can huff and you can puff, but you can't blow my house down. Woo! Be baptized today. (laughs) No, he's not taking you out. He should have took you out in the last storm. He should have killed you then. He's not taking you out. He's not taking your kids out. No, no, no. They will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve it. We're going to serve the Lord. And what, what the enemy does, he, he wants us to lay down. Just stand, just stand. Closing number one. What the enemy does, he wants us to lay down when temptation comes, doesn't he? Don't fight. Just lay there. Nope. Not going to do it. I'm going to fight it. I'm going to fight it every day. I'm going to pull out the sword of the spirit. I'm going to put on the helmet of salvation. I'm going to have the breastplate of righteousness. I'm going to have the belt of truth. I'm going to have the shoes of peace. Now listen to this. Listen to this right here. One way that we can fight him is when we put boundaries up over our lives. You see... You see, I have boundaries for my kids, right? They know you can't go a certain distance on our road. They know we got to see you. If you're playing with your friends outside, that's fine, but we got to see you. You know, you can't go on this property, can't go there. We got, we got to be able to see you. I put boundaries for my kids, and you, you do too if you're a smart parent. I don't put boundaries up because I don't like my kids, because I don't want them to have fun. I put boundaries up because I love them. I put boundaries up because I love them, and God has boundaries in his word because he loves us, because he knows what's best for us, and sometimes we hear his word and we think, it's hard to swallow, and I get that. There are parts in this Bible that are hard for me to swallow, but God does it because he loves his kids. He loves you so much that he says, listen, don't don't go that way. Proverbs 4, he says, do not set foot on, foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go your way. Don't step foot. Don't step foot. Let's read it again. Put it up, guys. Look at this. Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. Do what? Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it. Go from there. I think he's trying to get his point across. 
Avoid it. Do not travel. Turn from it. Eliminate what you can now. Don't wait till tomorrow's temptation. Eliminate today's temptation now by putting boundaries up over your life. I can't go to that place anymore. I can't hang out with them because I know what I did last time. I know I'm not going to text anymore because that gets me in trouble. No, I'm not going to pick up the phone and call anymore. Avoid it. Turn from it. Some of your temptation is all because you got the wrong friends in your life. Get rid of the friends that cause you to go down that trail of temptation every single time. Boundaries are not meant to be a burden, but they are meant to be a blessing. See, we can look at the boundaries as a burden or we can look at it as a blessing. God, you're trying to protect me from some things. God, you're trying to cover me. You're, you're trying to help me. Okay, God, I understand what your word says. Okay, yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay, God, I, I, I can't go there anymore. I can't look at that anymore. I can't talk to her anymore because every time I fall, why would you wait to resist a temptation tomorrow if you had the power to eliminate it today? Why would you wait? Why would you wait? You're setting yourself up for failure. Don't go there. Don't hang with them. Set up boundaries. Stop watching. Stop listening. Cancel the subscription. Set up boundaries now. See, these are my devices. This is my iPad. This is my phone. There's boundaries on them. I went into the setting. Actually, my wife and I both did it together, and we set up boundaries and restrictions on our, phone, our devices. This woman right here has the codes to all of this. Well, why? Because I know my struggle. Do you know yours? I know what I've fallen to in the past. Do you know yours? Say, man, pastor, you must be really struggling to put boundaries up. Maybe it's just, man, pastor, you must be really wise to put boundaries up. It's your choice. Your choice. I know my struggle. She knows my struggle. She's included in it. I know her struggles. So therefore, I'm not trying to hide anything. You want to get in my phone? She knows the passcode. You want to see who I've been texting? She knows it. You want to see what I've been looking at online? She knows it. She can see it all. You want to see where I'm at? She has an app for that. Yeah, she does, and I haven't have to see where she's at when she tells me she wasn't shopping. Yes, you were. You were at TJ Maxx again. I bind the spirit of TJ Maxx. We have the app for our kids. They're iPods. My son has a phone now. We have the app for that. I know where he's at. I know what he looks at on his phone. I can check it. There's boundaries set up. If you're parents and you don't have boundaries for your kids, you're foolish. Let me just say it as plain as I can. You're foolish in this day and age. You're foolish. Set up boundaries. Everything is out there. The apps are free. Everything is there. Just take the time to set up boundaries. Amen? I'm not out of word, but I'm out of time. Good news. I'll be here next week to share part three. Close your eyes. Bow your heads. God bless Hey, thanks for listening today, and maybe you're out there, and maybe you feel far from God today. Maybe life has thrown you a curveball, you've taken some wrong turns, you've messed up. I'm here to tell you about God's love for your life. You know, it's real, and it's for you. 
And, and no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, God is there. His love is unconditional. And, and the Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're saved. And I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And I just believe that if you say this prayer and mean it with your heart, the Bible says you're saved. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody about this decision. But just wherever you're at, just say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Change me. In Jesus' name. It's simple as that, and I encourage you, find a good local church. If if you can get to Fuel Church, get here. God is moving. God is doing some great things in the lives and families of the people that come here. But find a good church where you can grow in God. Until next time, God bless you. Have a great week.